for, for Kimberly coming up here. Thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah. Hey, y'all. Well, this venue is awesome. Yeah, it is, Kimberly. I agree. Okay, if you are not at the conference, I'm a words of affirmation person, which means I need words of affirmation. So, affirm. <laughs> this venue is awesome. See? Isn't that better? Yeah, see, the sound guy's like, yeah. So, I, I actually just, I have a quick prophetic word for the house, for you guys, and it's a weird one. Never given it before. We're going to see where it goes. So, let's see, where do I want to start on it? Anytime, does anyone ever like hear from the Holy Spirit and your handwriting changes when you're writing? Has anyone ever, had, I'm that person, I'm like, when I'm writing from the Holy Spirit, I'm like, Wah! it's like, it's really hard to read. It looks like chicken scratch. That was happening during worship, which is really fun. Um, so here's what I saw. I actually saw the awakening having multiple locations similar to this. So I didn't see, a, a, my, the first vision that I had was not of a large building. It was multiple places like this. And then from there, it was, I saw that God is actually, um, there, there, we had an intern two years ago who, come, who came from a strong atheist family, atheist all the generational lines back. No one had ever been saved. And he, mo- he went to college and he moved in with his roommate and his roommate was a believer. And he loved the guy, but just, you know, and would listen to him talk, but he kind of felt like, seriously, can you stop talking about Jesus already? He just was a little annoyed. And then he went to, I believe it was Europe. Didn't he go to Europe? He went to Europe for a soccer thing. He was a big soccer guy and he was there for four weeks. And I guess it would technically be called football if you were in Europe, but all the people from the South know that that ain't football. I'm just saying. That ain't real football. And so he was there, and he was in the middle of a two-week drinking binge. So it was like seven days in, and then he had this encounter, and then continued with his drinking binge for another seven days. That's a good story, huh? So he's in his hotel room, and he's by himself, and he cries out to the Lord, and he says, all right, if whoever you are or whatever you are is real, show me. And a light comes into the room. (laughs) This is awesome. I'm like, man, this makes my salvation story seem kind of lame. So this light, this bright light comes into the room and moves across the the ceiling and shines directly on his face and stays there. And he goes out in the glory and he comes, he wakes up the next morning and and he kind of remembers the encounter, but man, he's in party mode. And so he finishes the week of this week number two of partying and and goes home, and God just keeps speaking to him about this encounter. And so he gets back home, and he surrenders his life to the Lord. He comes to BSSM, and now he's getting his degree, and he's getting his PhD in social justice for world causes. He's just a phenomenal guy, one of our favorite interns we've ever had. And so I believe that something similar, there's an encounter that is about to happen with somebody that's a music mogul. Like, it's not Kanye West, but it's somebody of that degree. Um, and so I believe that God is going to encounter them. I, I, it's interesting. I just now remember this is, Athens is kind of known for music, huh? So I believe there's a music mogul that has some sort of a connection to Athens that God is getting ready to, to put on this massive encounter, but because of who he is and, um, who they are, they can't, they can't publicly, they're not, they're, the Lord is not telling them to publicly make their salvation known. It's telling them that he's going to tell them to keep it covert 
And I believe that there's a connection with somebody that's a part of this house that they're going to come to you and say, man, God encountered me and I had this radical salvation story and I'm just writing all of these songs that are written to the Lord, that are from the Lord, that are downloaded from heaven, but they're completely covert. So they have none of the outward expectant, obvious names of God in the music. And what I saw was, was I saw this, this whoever this music person is, cr- helping to create and establish the music program, the music department here. And they're actually being almost like an underground kind of a cult-like following with a band here. Now, it's, it's, you're going to have musicians that are on worship team that are going to be both, but the people that are on sort of the underground won't be able to lead on Sunday mornings. Does that make sense? And what I saw happening was, was the, this new band would do like a tweet of where they were going to be on a Friday or Saturday night, and then they would go into a bar and their bar would automatically be packed. And then it would almost be like testimonies would start happening from, from the Lord about the bars going, man, every time after these guys leave, like our bar is blessed, like business is up and, and, and people are happier. And, and all of a sudden it's like, it's like the Holy Spirit is invading um, the bars in this community through the music scene that's done by the Holy Spirit through this mogul that's going to get an encounter from God. So that's one of them, which is weird, but there you go. Um, the other thing is, is I saw that as that starts to happen and people hear about the Sunday morning services that, that when you do a building, you'll build it from the ground up. You'll be, it'll be a ground up building and God's going to bring designers that will have creativity designs from heaven that will make everyone feel like they're at home, which is hard to do, but it's like a millionaire will walk into the building and feel like they're at home. A college student will walk in and feel like they're at home. But it'll be done with such creativity. Even like this hotel that we're staying in right now, we're stay- we stayed in the graduate hotel. And everything is done even down to the, the room keys look like a college ID. You see what I mean? Like all of the, the college theme has been taken so far that even all the way down to the room keys. And so I saw the creativity of that type of a, not that design, but that type of a creativity being done on your building. And then I just saw just people coming together for that. Um, two more things. Uh, I saw that y'all were putting together creative roundtables with the young and the old. Um, the wisdom and revelation from the old generation combined with the technology, ideas, and strategies of the newer generation. America is crying out for a revelation of getting back to its roots. They're crying out for our founding fathers. We were founded on Christian principles. We were founding, we were, we're a God-fearing nation. It's what we were founded on. And it's the reason why Duck Dynasty became such a huge hit was because of the fact that they're just God-fearing, good, down-home people. And I believe that America is crying out for a fresh revelation of that, but to be done in a new creative way that hasn't been done before. So where it looks appealing, where it looks fun, where it looks exciting, where it looks sexy, but it's just this America coming back to its roots. And I saw you guys as a house being a catalyst of that. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, the last thing was just, a promise and a handshake type of a generation. You know, like back in the days, you didn't have big contracts. You didn't have, you had your word and a handshake. And that was enough. And so 
what your responsibility, what was the other thing that was cool was on, with the prophetic word, I felt like so oftentimes we get prophetic words for a house and there's so much of it on the shoulders of the pastor and his wife. And I feel like this is a responsibility of the house word. It's not a word that you're going to have to take and run with. It's actually a body community word. Um, so what that looks like, how does that apply to you right now? Well, that applies with Number one, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So begin to be the generation. There's a statistic that said we're lied to an average of 70 times a day. And that's on little things. Like, I I can't think of anything right now. Little things like, are you cold? No, I'm fine. But really, you're actually cold. But that's actually a lie. So I believe that, that you guys as a house sort of the, the charge that I'm giving you, if I can say one thing, is let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be no. So what you say you're going to do, follow through with it. The commitments that you make, follow through with them. Under promise and over deliver. And be, be, come back to a generation where a promise and a handshake is good enough. Does that make sense? Okay. That's all I got. I just had a word. I, didn't, I don't have like a sermon or anything. That's what I got. So if y'all have never heard my husband, then you are about to get rocked because he's awesome. So y'all give him some honor as he comes. Bubba. You messed my hair up. Took me a long time. We have a boom, brother. I can't hold this. My right arm will be bigger than my left. Equal rights. I'm old school. I have to have a boom. Boom, baby. All right, you are the man. Thank you, sir, gentlemen, and a scholar. Okay, y'all ready now? All right, I'm ready. Cool. You guys are kind of a little bit on the quiet side this morning. Well, I know the reason they ran out of coffee in the back. You need to make more coffee. Just, just because. Baby, did you want me to announce this? There's stuff in the back. If you want to sign up for our email address. Uh, no, not my, our, my yeah. Your email address. No, if you want to sign up for our newsletter, that's it. You can do that in the back. Anybody have a birthday today? People are not born in February in Georgia. Who had it? I had it yesterday. Who had it yesterday? Oh, yesterday? I had a birthday. You did too? Yesterday? Both of you? Oh, here, baby, give him this book. Happy birthday. That was my birthday too. You were born on an awesome day. Happy birthday. Oh, how, how do you feel? You feel okay? I feel all right. Yeah. How about you, honey? You feel all right? You feel okay? 
She's not listening. You feel okay? Because you're older? I don't know. It's all good. I have a word, yeah. Sin no more. No, I don't have. My word is you and I are twins. Can you, is it, can you not hear from this one? Do I need to put it higher so you can hear? Is it not working? Okay, I'm sorry. You're awesome. That's all I have to, I have to tell you. You're awesome. We also have some other CDs you guys can get. Okay, I got to go quick. What time's church over? Okay, let me ask an honest person. You seem like a dignified, honest young man. The way you're sitting so calm and patient. What time is church over? Oh, man. Okay, here we go. We'll go fast. After one? That's lunchtime. We have to beat the Baptist to church, to dinner. So I'm going to talk about messy faith. Did you know faith is messy? Faith doesn't look like we think it does. What is faith? Well, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must first believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of all those who diligently seek him. Faith requires action. Come on. Go ahead. Now go ahead. Let God use you. I saw that on my post. That was good. I love that. That's going to be good. I can hardly wait to go back to Bethel and do that to my brother. Go ahead. Let God use you. He goes, what was that? So lots of times we think of faith as even, I'm going to read something to you. I'm not going to tell you where it's at because I know how Christians are. Christians are like this. I have you open and you turn and you, I read and I stop reading and you continue to read. And you don't listen to anything I say for the next 10 minutes because you're doing your devotions at church. So it's somewhere in the New Testament. Between Matthew and Revelation. Let me see what part I want to read. Okay, it says, it's talking about Abraham. Therefore, it's of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him who believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things that do not exist as though they did. Who, now listen to this part. Who contrary to hope, in hope believe. It's talking about Abraham. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old, or the deadness of Sarah's womb. Lie. It's not true. I'm, I'm going to tell you how faith is. It's, tell, it's talking about the faith of Abraham and Sarah. 
This is good. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. So I'm going to tell you first and foremost, what's recorded in heaven about you is completely different than how you remember it. Because we have a memory of the impossibilities and the failures and the mishaps, but heaven seems not to remember those things. Because if you read the Old Testament, I remember an Abraham who was promised and he believed, and it talks about his belief and Sarah's belief, that they did not even waver. Then Explain to me how come Sarah said, well, I'm old. You're older than I am, but let me give you my maidservant. Because my womb's dead. And I know God promised, but just in case it doesn't work out, here, take this hot one. Abraham looked at the Egyptian maidservant and says, hmm, I like. You guys aren't following me, are you? She had to be hot. Or he was just horny. Or maybe a little of both. But it doesn't record that in the New Testament, does it? It says he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but strengthened himself. Whatever. He had sex with Sarah's maidservant to bring forth the promise. They did it on their own. But heaven didn't record it that way because when God spoke to the writer of Romans, Paul, he wrote it completely different. And he had the manuscripts of the Old Testament, which he studied. But he told of a different thing. Abraham was a man of faith and power. Wow. So guess what, folks? There's hope for us. Amen. Sometimes we, we have, this, when we read scripture, we read read with a lens of these guys were awesome. These guys didn't have any unbelief at all. They didn't do anything wrong. Oh, God, help me. David, he's talked about as a man after God's own heart. But he was watching Bathsheba bathe and saying, hmm, hmm, hmm. You guys aren't feeling me, are you? So I'm here to tell you, you know what? You're going to mess up. That's an encouraging word. Thank you so much. You're going to blow it. You're going to fall down. Do you know what a righteous man does? He gets up. That's the only difference. Is he keeps getting up. You can't keep a righteous man or woman down. Because they're going to get back up. So I'm here to tell you, this is the word of the Lord for you this morning. Faith is messy, and it's okay. Heaven's recording it in a different way. Come on, baby. Let God move. Yeah, baby, he's going to right now. But then we have to battle with someone called the accuser. Because he comes to, he's a statistician. His name is Lucifer, Mr. S. A. Tan. 
he is is a statistician. He has, a, he has the computer system that just puts Apple to shame. He has written down everything that's happened in history in your life, and he continues to remind you about your shortcomings, failures, and messiness. Am I right? Yeah. So I'm so glad that history in heaven is not written by Lucifer. Man, if it was, none of us would be in this house today. If that Bible had some inclinations of the devil, as far as what his view on us, or Abraham, or David, or these men of faith, I think we'd have a different opinion. We'd probably be in this place, but we'd all be drinking. Mm-hmm. Am I against drinking? Oh, no. Beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. Oh, Ben Franklin said it, man of God. But I would have said it if he didn't say it first. I'm going to read something else to you. Then I'm going to tell you my story of messiness. See, thank you, thank you, baby. See, when a preacher gets up and talks about how amazing he is, he's lying. <laughs> because the only difference between us and them, whoever them are, is nothing. We just, I'm just going to tell you the truth this morning. Faith is the substance, I'm not telling you where it is, but you already know. It's the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. For, by el for it by elders obtain a good testimony. By faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. Amen. So things that which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Basically what that means is God said it happened. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was found and not found because God take, had taken him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. We just went over that scripture. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for saving his household by which condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive an inheritance and went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. Didn't mention about the previous, did it? No. Talks about how she had faith. She didn't have faith. She laughed at the angel. And then when the angel confronted her, the Lord confronted her and said, I wasn't laughing. She lied to the angel. <laughs> Are you, you, you getting this? <laughs> so, faith is a journey that we're going on, and we won't be complete until we see him. When we see him face to face, we will be like him, and then faith will not be necessary anymore because we will be with him. Until then, we have to have faith. What is faith? Faith is believing 
He's taking this book, which is an iPad, but it's the Bible. <laughs> Many translations of the Bible in this beautiful thing. Taking that book, believing it, and put it into action, what it says. Heard many preachers say, what this book says I have, I have. What this book says I can do, I can do. What this book says I am, I am. And so the difficult part is putting that into action. If it says I can do all things through Christ who makes me strong, then apparently it says I can do all things. Most of the time, I don't feel like I can do many things. It says, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, freely have received, freely give. So it's assuming I'm going, and as I'm going, I'm doing those things, but I don't always do those things. It says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Sometimes I'm beat down, beat up, and I'm on the ground. It says, I have more than enough. I don't know what more than enough looks like to you, but it looks like more than enough. Are you with me? So what it says I have and what it says I am and what it says I can do, I don't feel most of the time that I can or have or can do. But it says contrary. So it's about taking the contrary word, which is here, which tells me who I am because of Christ, the hope of glory in me, and walking it out. And I used the phrase yesterday, I think, fake it till you make it. So if you, don't, if you have a problem being a hypocrite, don't be a Christian. Because you are a walking hypocrisy. No, you are. You are a definition. Look in the dictionary of hypocrite. Your picture is there. If you're really striving for Christ, your picture is there. Why? Because you're going after something that you don't feel like you have. You're becoming someone that you don't feel you are. And you're doing things that you don't have qualifications or even have a clue what to do. Am I true? Is that right? That's hypocrisy. But I'm going to do it. So why, why is faith messy? Well, here's God. He looks at... He doesn't look when we fall. He doesn't look when we mess up. He just sees when we succeed. He says, oh, look at that guy. He's awesome. He believed me. He never doubted the whole way. <laughs> and Michael and Gabriel standing right next to him and said, Lord, it says that you can't lie. It says it's impossible for you to lie. You just lied. Because didn't you, don't you remember what he, he goes, oh, no. Because he, he separates sin as far as the east from the west. He doesn't remember those things. Sin is falling short. When we blow it or mess up or have lack of that sin, he separates that as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't remember that because he's chosen to forget it. Well, what if I didn't repent for it? It doesn't matter. You think the blood only covers that which you repent for? That's some pretty poo-poo blood if it only... Only covers what I happen to remember, repent for. Either the blood is all that or it's not. Well, I don't understand what you said right there. You can't tell me a man or a woman that saved and loved Jesus at their last breath, they did something wrong, they sinned and they died, and now they're going to hell. Hello? That doesn't sound like my God. Either the blood is sufficient or it's not. But that doesn't give us a license to trample on the blood of Christ. 
and sin deliberately. But folks, there has to be the potency and the power of the blood of Jesus to cover us. And so when Jesus sees you, he doesn't see, oh, your shortcomings or your lack of faith or your unbelief. He goes, oh, I separated that because that's sin. But I see what you did, and it's awesome. And I wrote it down in the book of life. See, Acts, the apostles are still being written, and we're in it. I can hardly wait to go and read about myself. Hey, that's me right there. I did that. I'm so glad you left this part out, though, because, yeah, high five. Man, I'm good. You did good. No, I'm serious. Sometimes I believe we take ourselves a little too seriously. We're so introspective, we're going to implode. Now, I, I'm not against soul searching. I believe you need to soul search. I believe when the Holy Spirit comes in conviction, you say, all right, what's going on? And you need to confess, get it right, get, get ready and go. But if I'm always looking in, I'm always looking in, I'm going to be of no use to anybody else. See the radical middle balance? So faith walk, I'm going to share a quick story about my wife and I. Pardon me one second. I haven't been drinking long. Have you got a towel? All right. I'm sorry. I don't want to short circuit this thing. We were promised a word. And we took that word and we went for it. And it was a word. It was something that was birthed in our heart. It was birthed in my wife's heart when she was three. It was birthed in my heart when I decided to marry her. It was adoption. When we were dating or courting, she asked if I wanted to adopt, and I said no. Well, that was a deal breaker for her. So she said, is that a conviction or a preference? And I said, it's a preference. So I had to pray about it, get the word of the Lord on it. And then my heart changed, and I decided, yes, I, I want to adopt also. So since marrying her, our heart has been to adopt. We have, uh, she has given birth to four children, and so we wanted to adopt twins. So we were matched, what, three years ago? You're going to help me in all the details right now. You're going to be a part of this. <laughs> Two and a half years ago, we were matched with twin girls. And um, were we pregnant? Two years ago. And were we pregnant? We were pregnant. Yeah. We were pregnant. <laughs> the reason I say we were pregnant is because I gained as she gained. <laughs> Gentlemen, the best thing for you to do to keep your marriage healthy when your wife is pregnant is to eat what she eats. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you do that, then it'll be all good. If you decide that you are going to be thin while she is gaining weight, you're going to have an issue. That's why we were pregnant. I didn't skip, step on the scale in the doctor's office, but I knew I was also growing. We're done having children, so I stopped growing. Amen. Baby. 
that hurt my feelings. Not really. <laughs> so we were pregnant and we were going to adopt twins. Someone say, how dumb can you be and still breathe? That's triplets, baby. So we, we were expecting and we're having triplets. And we had everything ready. We had words from Heidi Baker. We had words from different folks that were coming. And, and in fact, when we were matched and chosen with this birth mama, we had to have how much money in five days? $13,000 in five days. So we said, all right, Father, if this is you, it's going to happen. Two days later, $16,000 was in the bank. So we figured this must be God. Are you with me? How many know when you make a decision, you take a step of faith, and he matches that, and you're going, oh, yeah, this is good. I'm, I'm honing in with God. I got this dialed. So we were excited, man. We, had, we, we sent the money to the lawyers and all that kind of fun stuff. We started getting ready, buying diapers. Someone bought a triple stroller for us. Someone bought, another person dropped, bought the uh, car, three car seats to fit in the stroller. I mean, that stroller, we have, it's like a limo. It's $1,100 just for the stroller. Someone bought that for us. And then the car seats were a couple, 300 each. Someone bought cribs. Someone across the country bought the things, car seats. Another one from across the country bought our cribs. So we had all this stuff set up, and we were ready to go and had the names picked out. My wife went to this Etsy place. You guys know what Etsy is? That's good. I don't. But she went to this Etsy place, had this, the crib, all the stuff made with their names on it, everything colored, decorated, ready to go. Baby shower for triplets. Can you imagine? We figured in one year's time, 8,000 diapers were needed. That's insane. Our first child, we got a whim that we were going to do cloth diapers. We soon repented, because that's just nasty. If you do cloth diapers, God bless you, your green little thumb. But I want to fill the landfill with diapers that will last forever. Those things are nasty. Anyway, so we're dialed. We're ready to go. All of a sudden, we get a phone call two weeks before we're picking babies up that the birth mom changed her mind. Talk about absolute devastation. It was to us like a death. We, we were planning, preparing, had the names. All of our children were praying. We were declaring the promises of God. And the, the birth mom, to make matters even worse, was a professional escort. And when she, after she had her baby, she decided she was going back to be in that. And we, we wept, we cried, we got mad, we got all kinds of things. We got, we got our faith shaken. Can you, can you imagine? And so then we had to really go through a grief process quickly because my wife was pregnant with our fourth child, Sadie. And so we didn't want this to be anticlimactic because we were expecting triplets, and now all of a sudden we have one. And so we had to go through that process very quick and celebrate the birth of our little baby girl. Meanwhile, needless to say, we had the wind knocked out of us. And so with adoption in California, I don't know how it is here, but 
all the money that we spent, you don't get back. It goes to lawyer fees, it goes to her housing expenses, medical fees, all that kind of stuff. So we had spent probably $25,000 on that adoption. Not $25,000 that we just happened to have extra. So we lost $25,000. We didn't have our two babies that our hearts were already attached to. And we're now we're going, okay, what's, what's up with this word, Dad, about a spirit of adoption? Heidi gave us a word when we were in Africa that our adoption would spread a spirit of adoption that would come from Reading down to L.A., sweep the country and globally impact the world for adoption and foster care and orphans. So when you get a word like that from a, a, a lady like Heidi, you kind of tend to say, amen, that's good, amen, I'll take that. So our hearts healed a little bit, and all of a sudden, God brought another girl to us, a, a girl we ministered to. She was a traffic victim, and we ministered to her a couple years prior, and she was pregnant with twins. And she called, found us, my wife on Facebook, and called, and they talked and asked if we would uh, be willing to adopt her twin babies. So it was like redemption. It was like, this is awesome. God, you're so good. Thank you so much. So we connected, and we began to uh, just prepare and plan and get things ready again and even change. There was one boy and one girl, so we changed. we're changing one of the bed sets from a girl to a boy and, and doing all that kind of stuff. We even had her come to our home and her and her father, and they come, and they were, they were guests in our home, and, and uh, my wife and her sat in the nursery floor, and she, would, she told this birth mom about um, our previous experience and how this was redemption. And they both sat there on the floor and cried and just wept and how God is so good by bringing these two new babies to replace. And it was just absolutely astounding. And so our emotions were high again. We were ready. And then, you know, more money involved and, and sending money and taking care of things. And then it was June or July. 26 weeks, 26 weeks, she called, and I was at a conference in L.A., and, and my wife was home, and I get a call at 1 in the morning when I'm in Los Angeles, and my wife is crying on the other end, she says, our babies died, the, the girl rushed to the hospital, and lost both babies. So I'm in LA. Ah. I start crying. I'm, I'm a wreck again. She's crying. I catch the first flight home. She picks me up in Sacramento. We're she had driven to Sacramento from Reading. She was just having it out with God and just screaming and crying and yelling. And, and I hadn't had that yet. And so she picked me up. We're driving home. And, and uh, we talk. We're talking and trying to figure things out. And things aren't making sense. And, and uh, so long story short, so we, we publicly announced to thousands of people that our babies were dead. And through investigation, things not adding up, 
we found out that she was never pregnant. So it was adoption fraud. So now um, we're going from loss to anger in, in one second. And so one minute, um, I'm mourning the loss of my babies. And the next minute, I want to kill the girl. Seriously. For putting us through that kind of stuff. She sat in our house and let our children touch her belly. We couldn't tell people for months because it was under investigation with the district attorney. Finally, she was prosecuted because it's a felony offense. So now we're freaking gun shy. We've had two failed adoptions. We've lost $40,000. It's like, are you serious, God? And we still want to adopt, but I'm going, I'm, no, I'm just not going to do it. Not now. And our kids, can you imagine our little ones praying, expecting, naming the children, praying for them and getting ready for them all of a sudden they think our babies are dead and now they're not coming. And then we'd have to tell them, no, she lied. She was never pregnant. And then it was tough to explain to the five and four-year-old, are they in heaven? No, 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 they never were. Well, where are they? So then you want to go. So, gun shy, devastated, angry, not having any faith whatsoever, people. None. Because our hearts were messed up. So, we're driving to Texas this last October. We go back, my wife is from Dallas. We go back for a yearly pilgrimage to Texas to go to the state fair to eat everything fried. <laughs> she was born in Dallas and has never missed a state fair, so I cannot be the one that would stop that. So we were driving to Texas, and if you've ever driven from California to Texas, once you reach the Texas border, you're only halfway there. <laughs> So we're driving through Texas, and we're driving for a long time. It's late at night, and my wife is getting antsy and upset because it's taking the people. Again, we haven't told anybody about our babies, that they didn't die. In one sense, we were ecstatic because we don't have dead babies in heaven. But in the other sense, there's still thousands of people that don't know that our babies didn't exist. And so we're wanting to let truth be known so people don't have to mourn for our babies. So she texted our attorney and said, when is this case going to be handled? I'm ready to tell people. And he said, I'm meeting with the investigator this week. Please wait. Now, prior to that, that was a Monday. We're driving through Texas. Sunday night, we were in New Mexico at this little church preaching. This little girl comes up to Kimberly real sheepishly and says, This next adoption is going to be easy. I see a little um, African-American girl 
that you're going to get. And it will be as if it was dropped in your lap. Now, maybe for you, that would be an encouraging word. For us, it was like, whatever. Shut the H-E-double-L up. Who told this little girl, get out of here before I knock you out so hard your grandma will cry. Now, we didn't say it, but that's what I was thinking. I'm going, how dare you? Because when you are in a place of mourning and anger and going through that, the, the, the grieving system, you don't want to hear about adoption being easy, dropped in your lap, giving you a heart's, our heart's desire, little African-American girl. So I didn't ponder it in my heart like Mary, the mother of Jesus, did. I rebuked it in the name of Jesus. <laughs> It might have took some root in my wife's heart, but it wasn't real. In the, in the cranium, it wasn't real satisfying. So the attorney that next day texts back to Kimberly and says, I have another uh, potential adoption in my office. She's a four-month-old African-American baby girl. Are you interested? And, and Kimberly, oh, didn't say it was a girl. Four-month-old baby. Are you interested? And Kimberly says, well, we want to know more details. And he said, I'll call you in 30 minutes. But yes, we're interested. interested. So two hours later, he calls. My wife, can you imagine my wife? The lawyer said 30 minutes. Two hours later, she's fuming. What is going on? Because she's starting to get a little excited. I'm going like, whatever. (laughs) Man of faith, of power and glory, just like Abraham. I'm telling you the real story, but when you get to heaven and read what God wrote, you're going to go, wait a minute, you left out all this part. You talked about how he's a man of faith and never wavered in unbelief. I know different. I heard the sermon. (laughs) So she gets on the phone, and they're talking, and I look over, and she's just boo-hooing, tears and snot going everywhere. She gets off the phone and looks at me and starts telling me all this stuff, and I'm fighting stupid tears. I'm driving and crying. She does this. Gentlemen, if your wife does this ever, you're toast. She looks at me, puppy dog eyes, crying. Can we keep her? (laughs) Yeah, like I want to say no. (laughs) I say, yes, baby. (laughs) So then... He, she replied, text, yes, we want her. But we didn't know before he even talked to us about her, he was at the time meeting with the birth mom. And if, if you know adoption stuff, what they do is they bring portfolios and they present it to the birth mom. Well, he apparently had snuck our portfolio in before he even talked to us, showed it to her, and she had chosen us before we even knew about her. She goes, I like this family, I want them And he says, well, I I need to talk to them. (laughs) So she had already chosen us before we even knew what was going on. So she's calling different friends and people and texting. And now we're driving into the Dallas area. This is the first time back for my wife since both her parents were gone. They both died this last two years. The house that she grew up in was sold. So this was going to be 
rightfully so, a very traumatic time for her. Coming back to her home, her place, her city, her home's gone, her parents are gone, and it was going to be kind of traumatic. So we're driving into her sister's house, neighborhood. A friend of ours asked, well, how much is the adoption? And a close friend, close, close friend, she texts, how much is the adoption? And Kimberly said, well, uh, you've already given so much to our other failed adoptions that I didn't want you to know. And she says, how much is it? So Kimberly told her, and this dear sweet lady said, it's in your account tomorrow. So as we're in the neighborhood, what's going to be a very traumatic time happens to be one of the most, the greatest miracles we've ever seen in our lives is we're matched with little Ellie and it's paid for. The freaking adoption was dropped in our lap on the way to Texas. Just like that little punk girl said. Now, to cap it all off with, we're there for 10 days, 11 days. So it happens to be that she signed the papers. So on the way home from Texas, we stopped over in Los Angeles, had our assistant, federal, now uh, UPS, our car seat to our lawyer. So we picked up baby Ellie on our way home <laughs> from Texas. The day we were going through that area is the day that we picked her up anyway. So leaving for Texas, we're angry at the promises of God through unbelief. <laughs> On the way home from Texas, we are championing the word of God and saying, oh, yes, Lord. <laughs> we got to spend five hours with the birth mom, sweet little girl. I even sat her, she's a little tiny thing, five foot one. I sat her on my lap and held her like a little girl, and I blessed, gave her a daddy's blessing, and, and it's an open adoption. And so here's the catch-all. Don't miss this part. Is God omniscient? Which means, is he all-knowing? Yeah. Is he? Yeah. So he knows all things. He knows yesterday or today and tomorrow, correct? Yeah. He's infinite. Here's interesting fact. He knew our first adoption would fail. But yet he supernaturally provided $25,000. He knew our second adoption was a fraud. But he allowed us to go through it and we lost he provided $15,000. So God, in his infinite wisdom, knew all of this would happen, but still provided because our faith that walked it out. God will match your faith, and if we hadn't kept going, even though we didn't believe, don't miss that, we didn't believe, but we were still going, we still got up and walked like zombies, We never would have received Ellie if God didn't foresee us having to go through hell and back twice. Loss and anger, loss of money to bring us to the place 
where he could allow Ellie to be dropped in our lap and matched with us, the perfect little girl. So faith, people, is messy. And it's not even written like you remember it. It's written like the author of Romans. Did not waver at the promise through unbelief. That's what heaven remembers. And so guys, take hope. Be encouraged. God doesn't look through the same glasses that you look through. Because he can't see your inadequacies. He doesn't see your inabilities. He doesn't see when you fall down because the, the blood of his son has annihilated it and covered it. And he sees your success. He sees your potential. And he sees faith. So it's messy, people. But it doesn't, doesn't work if it isn't. What's the key? Get back up. Well, what if I don't believe anymore? <laughs> it's okay. God still does. And all he needs is his belief, apparently. Because we had no belief. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> two, uh, two or three witnesses, the truth is conformed. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. <laughs> That's why there's a triune God, people. So my word for you this morning, I'd love to tell you to don't lose hope, but you will. I'd love to tell you that, you know, just come on, be men and women of faith. Believe. It's not that easy, people. Just get back up. Don't stop doing what you're doing. You might even be mad and angry and upset in the process. You may have, I've been baptized in pickle juice and I'm staying this way. Just get back up. Keep going. God's faithful. It's his word. He says, I am faithful. I will perfect. This is the promise and I'm done. I will perfect the work that I began in you until that day. He's interested in completing and perfecting us. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus.